I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. I am Prasanna Naidu with my colleague Dr. Shri Khanna. research analyst with Takshashila's Indo-Pacific Studies program and today we are going to talk about Sri Lanka like there are many things but Sri when i think about this country few things come to my mind one is the tourism industry because i want to have a vacation there for sure let's see when it happens <laughs> but two is ramayan and three is the LTTE like the civil war which happened but there are some other interesting things too like the one which is currently in news about the indian fishermen and the sri lankan navy so shri can you elaborate on this like what's the trouble going on now there thanks prasanna for having me on the show all those three things you talked about i think i hope we will be able to ponder over those three things about sri lanka in our podcast today but importantly the things which are in recent news as you talked about the arrest of indian fishermen So the arrest of twelve fishermen that were arrested, I think today, and over the forty-three others that were arrested yesterday, that makes it to totally fifty-five fishermen who have been arrested by a Sri Lankan 55. Navy. Fifty-five. Fifty-five in last two days, and this is bound to raise a uh, domestic political temperature in Tamil Nadu because of the livelihood issue and the nationalism. But already we have reports that states fishermen have said that they are not going to. the sea until the arrested fishermen released along the along with their trawlers so the uh, situation is developing there look the issue is a uh, permanent irritant in uh, in bilateral ties to me what is interesting this time is that even before these arrests sri lanka was raising the concern of poaching by indian fishermen so last week an important development happened when shri fisheries minister douglas devananda he took up the issue of indian fishermen with uh, american ambassador martin kelly in colombo and because this is a long standing problem this was the first time to my memory at least that someone from sri lanka had tried to internationalize the issue by involving the us because essentially this is a bilateral issue and this time this fisheries minister he met with the us ambassador and now interesting thing about this uh, guy is that he is one of those tamil politicians who is not quite friendly with uh, india because generally when we think of tamils in sri lanka they have a hmm. soft corner for india but he is not one of those in fact there are, there are criminal cases pending against him in india and he was an anti ltte politician since 1990 okay his current political party which is epdp was a pro sinhalese paramilitary outfit during the ltt insurgency so he was working along with the central government the sinhalese nationalist during the much major part of the insurgency and he right now is in alliance with the uh, votabaya rajapaksha led slpp and he was made fisheries minister in november 2019 and the fisheries di- dispute between india and sri lanka is necessarily a problem between the fishermen in tamil nadu and the fishermen in northern sri lanka who are which is a tamil dominated region now interestingly his recent outreach to the us has happened in the backdrop of uh, deteriorating us sri lanka relationship since the inauguration of gotabaya 
presidency uh, relationship has uh, nosedive with with his election and another important development which i see as far as northern sri lanka is concerned is the visit of chinese ambassador to jaffna so keys and hong he visited jaffna and made a significant outreach amongst the tamil in the province among the things he did there uh, was the visit to a famous nallur uh, kandaswami temple where he was dressed as a devotee he donned a vesti and bare chested he offered puja there and this visit incidentally happens days after the cancellation of a proposed solar power plant project in you know outlying islands of the jaffna peninsula so for the background in january 2021 sri lanka had awarded a 12 million dollar contract to sinosar a joint venture to set up three renewable energy projects in these islands and these islands incidentally they are as close as 48 km to the indian coastal town of rameshwaram and obviously india had objected to it and even offered a 12 million dollar as a grant so that india will be able to execute that those projects and not chinese companies now after good 10 months at least that we get the news that the project has been cancelled and tamil community in sri lanka it had objected to the project and now with these outreach activities by the chinese ambassador it seems likely that increasing its influence in tamil regions of sri lanka is going to be a long term project for the chinese they are focusing in these areas and how far is this ongoing chinese outreach to northern sri lanka and tamil civil society and politician is contributing to the recent development that we see the brewing trouble between tamils in jaffna and tamils in tamil nadu it's anyone's guess but to me it's clear that though china's relationship with sinhali south is in a cooling off period right now so they are focusing on these northern areas of sri lanka which are not only more strategic for china's plans in the indian ocean but also have quite a limited anti china sentiment as compared to sinhali south okay so shri you were talking about growing anti china sentiment and especially in the sinhalese region mm-hmm. what caused uh, this and because china is known to have great partnership with the rajapaksha family which are sinhalese nationalist and they are dominant ruling family in sri lanka right now right yes you are right prasanna the rajapaksis have a great relationship with ccp they have promulgated a strategic cooperative partnership as they call it and the rise of uh, rajapaksha brother in sri lanka it essentially parallels the growth of chinese influence in the island nation so for example uh, it was due to the support that china provided to mahinda rajapaksa who came to power in 2005 so uh, it was due to that support that rajapaksa could decisively move move against ltte and because at that time the international community including india was opposed to the fighting but beijing came to rajapaksa's aid and provided not only critical military equipment like fighter jets anti aircraft guns but also it supported sri lanka's cause in united nations security council and you know billions of dollars in uh, development aid was given during this period of civil war between uh, 2006 to 2009 and it was this decisive victory over the ltte which cemented rajapaksa's position as great sinhalese nationalist and china got plenty in return right whether it was hamban tota port which was essentially leased to china for 99 years or the colombo port city project and you know there have been reports that china funded uh rajapaksa's 2015 presidential campaign so they are thick uh and rajapaksa's clan the whole family is now involved in the politics and their clans wish to dominate the sri lankan political setup and their 
enchantment with china we can see that when president goodbye pakshe says that he wants to aim a china style development model for sri lanka or <laughs> basil or <laughs> basil rajapakse he says that that ccp chinese communist party is the model uh, on which slpp should govern and consequently you see you know that rise of uh, authoritarianism in in sri lanka it has happened hmm. so they not only take uh, you know economic aid from them or military equipments but also that ideological support they also take from sri lanka as far as rajapakse are concerned but the ongoing now coming back to the rise of uh, uh, anti china sentiment that's ongoing rise in sri lanka it is not because of rajapakse brothers but despite them because they mostly have done what was required of them by china for example and this is one of the most significant reason behind the growth of anti china sentiment among the sinhalese nationalists and i'm talking about the colombo port city project so in may this year the colombo port city economic commission act it came into effect the interesting thing about this act is that it provides for establishment of a of a economic zone a special economic zone and colombo port city economic commission cpcec now according to the act the cpcec has regulatory managerial administrative powers in the port city that is being constructed in uh, colombo so and this effectively undermines the position of uh, sri lankan parliament and basically it was this act which raised the issue of you know deliberate cession of sri lankan sovereignty to china they were in and it created lots of problem for rajapakshe brothers and politicians there they were calling it that port city is going to become a chinese province or a chinese colony and that is i think one of those moment from which this anti china sentiment started building and because there were protests protests from sinhalese nationalists because the issue of sovereignty was on line and this continuous backing of chinese interest earned him uh, the ire of buddhist monks as well and these buddhist monks are traditional supporter of rajapakshe and his agenda his nationalist agenda as anti tamil sentiments and there was pressure from civil society groups as well and since then there is growing anti china sent in this country now last month you know the it came to news prominently there was a ship hippo spirit which was carrying 20000 tons of uh, organic fertilizer to colombo from china and sri lankan scientists they found a uh, bacterial contamination and they refused entry of the uh, entry of the consignment this led to one of a kind situation between the two allies where you know chinese embassy in sri lanka it posted on uh, twitter that it was it was blacklisting state owned peoples bank of sri lanka for non payment of the amount and then there was uh, growing sentiment in sri lanka that china may take advantage of the financial muscle and dump the consignment and take the money anyway because uh, sri lanka said it is not going to uh, pay them uh, money and eventually uh, you know according to recent reports government has agreed to pay 70% of the claim uh, of uh, 6.7 million us dollar that they were uh, that they were asking because china was threatening to escalate this uh, and it was in this context that indian pressure on solar plant uh, project finally worked and sri lanka cancelled the sinosaur project so as is evident there the government is likely to do what china requires it to do especially under rajapakse brothers uh, but among the sinhalese nationalist this anti china sentiment is growing and this creates problem for the government and then they have to you know balance it out or at least try to balance it out
Yeah. So the last part which you were talking about is like comes under the debt trap policy, which is, you know, sort of talked about when we mm. talk about China and Sri Lanka relations, right? Right. right. Okay. I also was curious about knowing, uh, you were talking the strategic importance of the northern region of Sri Lanka. Why is it uh, strategically so important? So the northern Sri Lanka is part of Sri Lanka, which is closest to Indian mainland, right? It's adjacent to Indian state of Tamil Nadu. As I said, the the project that China was planning, it was approximately 40 to 50 kilometers from Indian coastal town. And China gaining uh, territory in that area was a significant strategic concern to India. Also, previously, what China has done is this Hamban Toda port, it is down in the south. So that part of Sri Lanka, China has significant position there. But in northern part of Sri Lanka, this has not happened as yet because in Tamil areas, there was uh, insurgency problem. And after insurgency problem, they were focusing more on the south. But this area, which is closer to Indian mainland, this is a strategic as far because it raises Indian threat perception. Also, this is seen in, you know, tandem with what they are doing in southern Sri Lanka or what their plans in Indian Ocean having uh, to have a two ocean navy. So the more uh, territory that they can gain and China is known for, you know, using these infrastructure building projects for non-commercial purposes. There is that famous case of um, uh, African uh, headquarters which China has ma uh, had made and Huawei was the company which had made that. And after some years, I think after one or two years, it was realized that uh, data was going out in the middle of the night from the African Union's headquarters to somewhere in Shanghai. And then there was a concern there. So because China is involved, is you know getting itself involved so closer to Indian mainland, it uh, automatically raises threat perception in India. And that's why India raised it so vociferously and finally it was cancelled last month. Okay, interesting. So we'll continue this conversation talking more about India-Sri Lanka relations. But before that, let's have a quick ad break. We are done with the China-Sri Lanka part. But now let's come to uh, the India's relationship with Sri Lanka. As you talked about the solar power project, which was cancelled, which is a concern to India. So what about India's other concerns? Well, ever since the change in government in 2019, the relationship has a nosedive. nosedive. So India's other concern, for example, that there was a tripartite agreement between India, Japan and Sri Lanka. And this agreement was signed in May 2019 before Gotabaya came to power. It was cancelled in February 2021 by Sri Lankan government. And this agreement was that India was going to build, India and Japan together, they were going to build an uh, east port container terminal in Colombo port. So that project was uh, cancelled by the Sri Lankan government. And you know, in the situation, Rajapakse had utilized the Buddhist monks that I talked about, that close alliance between Buddhist monks. So he had utilized the Buddhist monks who had joined another Rajapaksa ally, labor unions, to protest against the project. And after the agreement was uh, scrapped, administration offered a greenfield westport container project to India after because there were concerns in India. And now with this westport container project, the difference is that it's a greenfield project, right? It uh, India needs to build it from ground up. Whereas the Eastport container, it was it was already functioning. India just had to, you know, invest in it, scaling it up. 
So India faced similar pressure tactics with regard to Prime Minister Modi's plan to develop a regional petroleum hub in Trikonamali in, in northern Sri Lanka. And there was a 2017 MOU between the two countries under which India were to develop 84 oil tanks through a joint venture of a Ceylon Petroleum Corporation CPC and Lanka IOC, which is a, a subsidiary of uh, IOC. And project was facing opposition from the union workers of CPC, which were demanding that the government should be, that the agreement should be cancelled. And they were demanding that the operation of existing 15 oil tanks by Indian Oil Corporation, they should be handed over to CPC. And early this year, Sri Lankan Energy Minister Gamana Pila, he announced that there is an intention in Gorbaya administration to reacquire all the 99 oil tanks, which were leased to Indian Oil Corporation. But the challenges that emerged between Sri Lanka and China, uh, I think those challenges, there has been some change in government's attitude in Sri Lanka. So in August this year, Sri, Lanka, Sri Lankan government appointed a new high commissioner uh, to India and an integrated strategic roadmap was, uh, was announced to restore ties between the two countries. Now for reference, the high commissioner post in India was vacant since uh, January 2020. There was no high commissioner of Sri Lanka to India. They said that it is because of uh, COVID. But the appointment of this high commissioner Milinda Moragoda was announced in August 2020. But only it was confirmed that he'll be coming to India in August 2021. So this, you know, one and a half year, there was no, uh, no one there. Such was, uh, you know, level of relationship. It had gone there under the goodbye and Mahindra Rajapakse government. And then after this change happened, there were talks of reinvigorating the relationship with, you know, the things that you talked about in the beginning, the common civilization ties, this Ramayana and Buddhism. So they, they uh, Sri Lankan uh, government, hmm. the uh, roadmap document that they put out, they talked of uh, handing over a sacred stone from uh, Sita Amman temple in Sri Lanka for the Ram temple plant in Ayodhya. But to me, what worked was India's continuous displeasure over Sri Lankan activities as India refused to move ahead on much needed, you know, debt repayment waiver and a separate currency swept uh, for 1 billion, which uh, Sri Lanka was asking for during, uh, to help uh, it during the economic crisis. And this pressure, I think, helped because India's Foreign uh, Secretary Harshwardhan Shringla, when he visited Sri Lanka in October this year, there was progress on both Colombo Port's West Container Terminal and as well as Trikonamali oil farms. So there was progress. India also bailed out the fertilizer for the island's farmer after, you know, that situation developed with China when Chinese consignment was rejected. Then uh, obviously there was a visit of Sri Lanka's Finance Minister Basil Rajapaksa to India where he sought Indian help with the uh, Sri Lankan economic crisis. Now as you know, this has been in news for quite some time that there, there is a full-fledged economic crisis going there. The tourism industry that you talked about, you know, which represent around 10% of their GDP and brings in for foreign exchange, it has been hit hard by the COVID crisis, by the whole pandemic situation. And as a so result, no vacations for me now. Yeah, no <laughs> So and you know because this downturn has ha happened, forex reserves have dropped from you know seven point five billion dollar in two thousand nineteen to around one billion dollar in November two thousand twenty one. So in two years time, the foreign reserves have dropped to pretty low, and then there is a food crisis. The because of the food crisis, economic emergency was imposed, and the army was called in. 
to manage the rationing of food items. There's food shortage. And in addition, that organic farming was introduced as a result of which the shock that it provided and uh, situation uh, many people believe is can go worse than this. And situation is so bad uh, that the government is planning the lease of government plots in, in heart of Colombo to get uh, foreign currency. There's such a shortage of foreign currency there. Why did the situation worsen due to organic farming? Well, what they did was they unilaterally banned the use of chemical fertilizer. And, you know, hmm. um, they rely on exports and Sri Lanka does not have a big agriculture base to sustain that their population, right? So what required was maybe it was if it could be done in a phased manner, it would have worked. And this was ex post facto added that, you know, organic farming will be used to uh, to make Sri Lanka the only place, only country that will be uh, totally dependent on organic farming and no chemical fertilizer was used. But one of the important reasons why this de decision was taken was the same, you know, forex crisis that I talked about because they mm -hmm. wanted to save that forex reserve um, and did not want to import that uh, huge amount of chemical fertilizer. So this idea was projected. But Rajapaksa government it denied it that they are doing because of this. But it may, uh, most people agree that the reason was that they wanted to save that forex reserve and uh, uh, wanted farmers to do organic farming. And and such a systemic you know setback when happens, it's it's not an automatic system that things will fall in. Even under best of circumstances, these things take time. We know what happened during demonetization. So. Such a overhaul of uh, system, it it takes time. So that also created, you know, situation um, added to the economic situation in Sri Lanka. So uh, now in the, in this backdrop, you know, there have been finally there have been reports that India is preparing an economic package to help Sri Lanka uh, on an immediate basis. There were recent reports from some days back. This includes an energy security package, which will uh, include a line of credit to cover fuel imports from India because they don't want to you know, pay dollars and modernization of uh, Trikonamali oil tank form. It also, uh, Sri Lanka is moving in that direction. So India is also going for that modernization. The opposition has been reduced. Also a currency, a swap agreement is in planning to help resolve Sri Lanka's current payment crisis. So there is some change, mostly due to the economic crunch that Sri Lanka is facing but also an element of using India to balance the, the dependence on China is also there, which is leading to the improvement in the relationship. Mm -hmm. But yeah, coming back now to the first question, the issue of fishermen, I think it will continue to be a problem which will require deft diplomacy from both sides to resolve that situation because fishermen of both sides are involved and it is a livelihood issue. So it has to be managed. Right, Sri, I agree. And this fisherman issue is like very old. I have heard about it like, I'd see also seen a video about it explaining what this fisherman issue is and how uh, it started and why it started. I'll also share the link of it uh, in the show notes below. And if you are really interested in such topic, then you must definitely check out our 12-week course in Defense and Foreign Affairs. We also have courses in Health and Life Sciences, Tech Policy and Advanced Public Policy and a one-year postgraduate program too. Admissions are now open. Link is in the show notes below. And I think that's it for this episode. Hope this episode added some value to you. 
Thank you all for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for more new episodes. Thank you. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila Inst or our website takshashila.org.in.